Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. So I'm going to preach really quick. I want to answer just one question for you. Sometimes you preach a simple message. Uh, I want all my messages to be simple yet yet impactful. Uh, but today I wanted to just talk about why we baptize people. Because I think there's a lot of people that, that are getting baptized that hopefully you know. Maybe you don't know why. Hopefully you do. But there's other people who have been baptized at some point in your life. Or you're wondering what this is all about. Somebody invited you here. You're in this room. You know, you've never been to church like this before. And you're wondering, what, what is all this about? So I want to answer that question. Why, why, why do we get baptized? Why do we do that? And I'm a why type of person. I, I'm always, like all the things that have happened this year in 2020, anybody else, everything, every time they make you do something new, new I'm, I'm, why? Why? Why do I got to walk that way in giant? Why can't I walk this way in giant? Why do I have to wear my mask? Why can't I have my mask down over my nose? Why do I have to wear if I go to Planet Fitness? Why? When I, which I don't. Why don't, <laughs> why why, why, why do we have to, you know, why do we wash our hands for this long? I'm a why person. I've been doing that my entire life, even in church. Why, why do we raise our hands? Why, why do we take communion like this? Why do we baptize babies? Why do they get dressed up in a white gown? Why, why do you do this the way you do it? Like, I have a lot of why questions. I started thinking about some why questions in my head, just practical ones. Like, like why do your feet smell and your, your nose runs? You ever think about that? <laughs> Doesn't make sense. Some of you, you're going to get that in a second. Why do they lie to you and call, and call eggplant eggplant when there's no egg in it? And why do they call hamburgers hamburgers when there's no ham in them? <laughs> Think about if you're a money person. Why does the man who you give all your money to, the person who invests your money, why are they called a broker? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> why is there an expiration date on sour cream? You would think that would be like wine. It would just get better the more sour it, it became. I, I love this one. I've always thought this. Why is the word abbrevi abbreviate so long? Right? Like, what? just make it, make it easy. Uh, if con is the opposite of pro, right? Con is the opposite of pro. Is Congress the opposite of progress? <laughs> Let's move on from that. <laughs> Don't you think, you ever been to the doctor, dentist, something like that, a lawyer? Don't you think it's weird that they call what they do practicing? Like, I don't, I don't want you practicing on my body. I want you doing the right thing, right? You ever meet somebody and they say, they say this, and I, I've always wondered this. Why do people ask you, can I ask you a question? They already have. You don't have a choice in the matter, right? <laughs> like they already asked you a question. Like the why. So here's the thing. Why, why do we get baptized, right? There's a lot of things we do. Why do we seat people? Why do we greet people? Why do we park people? Why do we ask people to raise their hands? Why are we going to clap at the end of today's service when people get saved? Why do we clap at baptism? Why are we not going to golf clap? I, I'm always asking myself those questions. And so I want you to understand why people, your family and friends, and maybe some of you even today, why you need to take the step of baptism? Why do we get baptized? I'm going to give you three simple answers that it is and it isn't. One is baptism is not some weird custom. It's actually a command. Baptism, I, I want you to understand this. It's not some weird custom. It's actually a command. And here's why. Uh, customs, they're optional, right? Some of you have been to church. When you go to church, they wear, they wear suits, right? There's a organ in the front, they pull out books, they sing from them. 
Uh, they, they, some of you have been to a church where they do potlucks, right? Some of you have been to a church where uh, the women wear denim, long denim, and put a little doily on, on their head. Some of you have been part of different religions where you pray a certain way, you face certain things, you say certain words. Some of you have come from a church that's very traditional and, you know, maybe you've been so traditional men and women sit on opposite sides. Some of you, you, I grew up going to all different types of churches in college. I went to one church. You had to dress in your Sunday best. I've talked to people before. I said, you should come to church. They said, I don't have any clothes for church. And I say, I don't know what kind of church you've been to. Well, I watch TV on church, and they wear suits. And, 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 and I say, you should come to church. We got really good music. No, I listen to the church music. That's lame, right? Like, that's, that, that was cool in, in the, the, the bicentennial, like the colonial time. Like, and this thing about church is a lot of times our relationship with church is built on a lot of customs. Cu- customs. And they're not right or wrong. They're, they're just... They're just optional. There's things that we should understand. So what happens with baptism, it, it actually becomes optional. Some churches, what do you do? You get, you get, you get born, you have, no, you have no option in it. You just get, they pull you, put you in a, in, a, in a white robe or dress or whatever it is. They bring you up front. A dude or a woman sprinkles on your head. You get, you get in. You're in for, for life. You, you're sprinkled. They wash the, the sin off of you. You're, you're in. Some of you were, were, were 12, 13 years old, and you were in youth group, and it was, you know, let's get, get baptized. And your parents were like, if you get baptized, baptized I'll get you a PlayStation and so you you got you got baptized and like all of the of these things and there's all of these customs that we follow but we need to make sure we understand that customs are optional here's the problem so many times people fight about customs church people are the worst at this by the way we fight over everything in fact what's so interesting is the people some of you are like I'm at church you know I would never think I would be at church I don't think I would get along with Jesus or church people, because church people are some of the meanest people in the world. I'll I, I, amen, 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 that. Like, uh, and so, like, when, 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 the, when the quarantine happened, I remember thinking, I'm going to miss church people, but it's going to be a nice few weeks of breaks from them, right? Because sometimes they're just, they're just mean, right? And, and we've been really mean during this season to each other, and we'll continue to, 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 to be mean, right? And so Jesus, he dealt with mean people. Like, the people that hated him the most, you'd be surprised, were the church people, the religious people, the, the leaders. Reason being... It's because there was customs at that time that good church people did, that, that Jewish people did. And Jesus came on the scene, and he broke all the rules. And they hated him for it. In fact, they're the ones that killed him. And there's this one story in, in, the, in the book of, of Mark chapter 7 where he has this conversation with, with, with the Pharisees. It's one of those conversations you have with somebody that you never think you would have to have with somebody. Like I've been there a bunch of times in church where I've been sitting with somebody. I'm like, I really have to have this conversation with you. Jesus had one of those moments, right? And the Bible says the Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of the disciples eating food with their hands that were defiled. And then he lets us know that means unwashed. They were not CDC compliant in this thing. They did not wash their hands. Now we find out why this is such a big deal. Watch what the Bible says. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come in from the marketplace, they don't eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions. And they go even further, such as washing cups, pitchers, and kettles. So they, they've taken this one law, and they've added to it, which is typically what happens. We don't know why we wear denim to church. We just do. I don't know why I wear a head covering. I don't know why we sing the music that we sing. I don't know why we baptism. It's just what we do. So they went from washing their hands, which is a good hygiene move, and they've made it a biblical move. And now not only do they wash their hands, but they wash their cups, their kettles, everything else. So they have a problem with Jesus because the Bible says that Jesus' disciples, they're just eating, right? They're praying. God is good. God is great. 
you know, let us thank him for this food. Boom, they're eating, right? The Bible says, so the Pharisees teaching the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the traditions of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied against you guys. You're hypocrites. Watch what he says. He says, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. You honor me with your lips. You, you do things that you've been taught to do, thinking that the things that you do in this building, at this church, are, are what make, make, I'm going, that's so great, man. You wore, you wore that to church? Right on. You baptize your child? You sprinkled? Man, good job. You know all of the, 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 the choruses and the lyrics to the amazing, old school Amazing Grace, the one in the hymnals. Even, even Chorus 3, if you've been in church, that's a church joke, because you never sing Chorus 3, right? I think because if you finish a song, everybody will be sleeping, right? And so, but you, and so you've done all that. Man, good, good job. He says, you're, 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 you're practicing following me with your, your lips, but your hearts are far from me. And here's what happens oftentimes with traditions. You ask people, you know, why'd you get baptized? I don't know. That's just what we do. Why'd you get your kid baptized? Because my parents told me to. Why did you get baptized? Because that's what we're supposed to do. Could be the end of the world. I want to make sure I get, I'm in. And it's this tradition. Here's the problem with traditions. is traditions often find validity in time practiced, right? But you can practice something forever and be wrong. Just because it's old doesn't mean it, it's right. You ever have an older relative that's not mature at all and you think to yourself, I thought when you get older you get wiser. Come on, can I just preach? Just because you get old doesn't mean you get wise. I'm 40. I still got some friends that act like the 13. Just because it's old doesn't mean that it's right. Listen, we at this church and any church you're a part of, you should only practice what you practice because Jesus told us to. Baptism is not something we're taught. It's something we're told. Watch what I want to show you what it says in Matthew 28. And here's what's important. This is... This is what we call the Great Commission. This is, this is where Jesus goes, okay, I'm leaving. Don't screw this up. You know, I'm, I'm to the age. My kids are, one's turning 13, one just turned 11, and one is almost 7. And so I am finally to the age where I'm able to leave them for a few hours by themselves and don't have to pay a babysitter $150 an hour to come watch them. It's a, it's a, it's a game changer, right? Carter knows how to turn on the oven, turn off the oven, get, make a sandwich. You know, we have a phone he can call us. We have a ring in case somebody comes, you know, in our neighborhood that we don't know. We can see them. We got all these things. And we'll say, we're going we're gonna to leave, right? We're going to leave you by yourself. And we always, right before we leave, we go over a list of things that they can and cannot do. It's really important right before I go. A, do not murder each other before we're, while we're going. <laughs> B, you cannot eat whatever you want. You cannot eat in this room. This room is not the room you eat in. You eat at the table, right? Right? See, you can't play Fortnite the entire time we're gone. I don't care how many friends ask you to play. It's been, you have an hour to play. It's been over an hour. You love how kids can't keep time, right? Those are the days. And so when we're going to leave. Here's the things I want you to do. So here's the thing about the church. We got all these things that we do. Jesus in Matthew 28 was like, I'm getting ready to go. Here's what I want you to be good at. I don't care if you're good at all these other things. I don't care if you get everybody to dress nice. I don't care how good your music is. That, that's great if it's great. Here's the things I want you to do. Matthew 28, he says this. He says, therefore, go and make disciples. In other words, the people in your church should be so radically saved, their life should be so different that it makes a difference in the world. That's what you should do. Everywhere you go, you should bring the light of Jesus, the salt of Christ. Everybody should be different. Your neighborhood, your work, everywhere you go, we're going to go and we're going to make disciples. You get discipled and then you help disciple others. That's the, that's the principle of the church. Watch what he says. Though. Go make disciples. And this is what he says to do with people. 
Don't teach them your traditions. Very first thing you're going to do, you're going to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Period. You're going to disciple people. First thing you're going to do, when they receive Christ, you're going to baptize them. So listen, it's not a custom. It's a command. Let me give you two more. Number two, baptism isn't optional. It's foundational. L listen, we're Americans, so we love options. Right? Like if you go somewhere, there's not enough options. I've been to a couple restaurants during the, the, the COVID, and they have like three things. And I'm like, I don't want to eat here. Why? Because I need options, right? Or you go to a restaurant. You're like, I'm gonna, I want the bacon cheeseburger. Okay, yeah, okay, that's great. You want it as it is? No, can you? I need to take off the bacon because I don't eat pork. Um, I need you to take the cheese. I'm, uh, you know, it, it doesn't sit well in my stomach. Bar here comes the barbecue sauce. Nah, can you put the barbecue sauce on the side? Like we want that, right? They're like why don't you just order a, che a, a burger, right? Like you don't need, and you want the options. That's how, that's how we are. You take, take my wife places. She likes to change her order. I've never been out with my wife where she just said, I'll take that. Anybody else have a wife like that? Like, you, you want options. We, 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 like, we like options, right? And so when it comes to our faith in Christ, especially when you're preaching to an American audience, it's like, well, no, no, I want, I want the options. Like, yeah, I know baptism is something I should do, but, but I want the options. Well, here, here's why. I don't really like water. Like, I don't, I don't really want to get wet in front of everybody else, and, and, and I don't want to share water. Like, I'm... I'm kind of, I don't like, I've heard people, I don't, I don't like germs, and so, I don't, I, I, can we just do it at my house, in my bathtub, and I tell them, you know, you're not Justin Bieber, like, we're not, we're not, we're not going to do that, like, I don't like water, I, 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 and some people say, I don't want to, and here's the thing about all of those reasons, right, just because you have a lot of valid personal reasons does not make it reasonable, <laughs> right, I came home the other day, so I left my kids home, I'm doing online school, I took my youngest with me because we were going to be gone for about six hours. And so they're doing online school. They got their phones. They're on their computers doing their stuff. And they said, they said when we get done, can we play? Because everything revolves around Fortnite now, right? And so I, I swore I was never going to be the dad that had boys that play Fortnite. And here I am. 2020 has changed me. And so <laughs> they play all the time. And they're like, so cool. And I'm like, I don't, I don't see it. Like, I don't, I don't get it. And so they're like, can we play Fortnite? We can play with our friends. And I was like, yes. I was like, before before you play, though, very clear, leaving the house, you have to do your wash. Now, I want to explain to you what doing your wash means. Because for you, doing your wash could look like many things, right? It could look like you pull it out, you fold it, you put it back in your drawer without ever washing it, and we go, right? So I say, put it in the washer, put a pod in the washer. Take it out of, of the washer. Don't leave it in there for four hours because it smells sour. Put it in the dryer, put a sheet in there, turn it on, completely dry your clothes, because once again, I don't want to smell sour garbage, right? Completely dry your clothes, and then I need you to fold them and put them in your drawer and hang up the shirts that get hung up. And then after that, you can play. Now, I'm trying to teach my kids logic. Logic would say I'm going to be up behind the computer for six hours. We have break. We have lunch break. We have recess by yourself, by the way, virtual recess, all these things. So logically, what should they do? You know, I'm going to have a break. I'm going to put them in the washer, go back to school, put them in the dryer, done school, fold my clothes. Should make sense. They wait till after school's over and they start doing it. I come home at 5 o'clock, they've been, they've been there, they've been playing Fortnite. I walk in, I walk by the laundry room, I notice that looks like a tornado went through it. There's clothes on the floor, and I walk out to the, to the, to the, the living room where they're playing, I look at them, and I say, I say, what, did you do your watch? And they say, almost. And I said, well, why, why are you playing Fortnite if you almost did your watch? Because I said, you did, I told you to definitely do your watch, right? Fully do your wash. And he said, well, here's my, my load. Lincoln finished his. My load is sitting right here. Clothes I need to fold. And I'm waiting for the rest of them to dry. And then I'll do the whole thing. Logically, that makes sense. And I said, no, no. Shouldn't, 
shouldn't you fold those and do those and then play video games like I told you? And then the worst part is I walked by the laundry room. And when I walked by the laundry room, I saw my wife. She had some clothes in the dryer. They're on the floor. And I, I brought, and I said, I said, I said yeah, can you explain to me what this is? You ever ask your kid for a simple explanation, you know you're not going to get it? <laughs> so I said, who in, in this room, you two little boys, who, who threw your mom's clothes on the floor uh, and then just stepped all over them as you were doing the wash? And they gave me a hundred reasons what, what happened. Well, what had happened is we put them on top of the dryer and they fell off. And then we didn't pick them up. We just, we had enough room. We just stood over them. And, we did, and I said, I said, why don't you hang them up for, and I went into that whole, like, you ever been there with your dad when he guilt trips you over your mom? I'm like, your mom who birthed you <laughs> and takes care of you, you don't have time to hang up her clothes. And you get to the point with your kids where m- my son does this. He just kind of gets this look. He just looks at you like this. And then they, all of a sudden their nose starts to itch. And they just. <laughs> and you know the conversation is going nowhere from there, right? And some of you, you're, this is how you are with the Lord. It's, it's, it's foundational. It's your next step, and you're, you've got all these reasons. And finally, you have no more reasons. You just do. Right? Like, I, I'm just going to stay still and get through this moment. I need you to understand something about baptism. Baptism is not optional. It, it, it's foundational in, in your life. There's only one example in Scripture of somebody who decides to follow Christ and doesn't get baptized right after. That's the dude on the cross. I don't know if you know the story. Jesus is on the cross. He's hung between two, two thieves. It's actually, uh, it's actually the, the way that all of us are. You either have, on one side, you have people that mock Jesus and think it's stupid and think it's foolish. You have this guy on one side, he's a thief, he's dying. He says, Jesus, you're a fool. Rescue us. Get off if you're so powerful. Then on the other side of the cross, you have a different thief. He, he deserves to die as well, but he realizes Jesus is the son of God. And he says these words. He says, Jesus, would you remember me in paradise today? Notice he didn't do any other religious things. He's, he's probably hanging naked at this point. He's not putting church clothes on. He's not able to get baptized. He's not, because people think if I get baptized, it means that I'm going to heaven. No, it doesn't. Just just like if you get married, it means you're going to be faithful. That doesn't necessarily mean that. That's your promise to do that. And so he says, would you remember me? He dies, and the Bible implies that Jesus says, yes, you'll be with me in heaven on the other side of eternity. That's the only example. So here's the thing. If you, if you are a Christian and you don't want to get baptized and you want that to be your story, that's fine. But I still want to live a little bit longer. And if you're planning on a little bit, live, living a little bit longer than the thief on the cross, then your very next step in this side of eternity is to get baptized. It, it's foundational. Why is it foundational? Here's why. Because it's all about obedience. We're going to start a new sermon series next week called Pray, Obey. Uh, we did a home group series on it a few years ago. And I've been waiting to talk about it. For a long time, and here's why. Because I think God's greatest blessings in your life are on the other side of obedience. I think we cross our fingers and we hope that the Lord would move in our lives. And oftentimes, it's the obedience that takes you on the bridge to where God wants to lead you. So we're going to take a look at that, right? But listen, you can't go into where God has called you to go and not take that very first step of obedience. Obedience is foundational to, to your life. It's the right process, right? You, you get saved and you get baptized. Let me explain to you. When I, when I met my wife, we've been married for 18 years, going on 19 years, I didn't just walk up to her, you know, smack her on the backside, say, what's up, toots, let's get married. That's sexual assault, that she would beat me up, she's tough, right? There's a process. 
I didn't just walk up to her and, you know, at a Christian college, you wouldn't do that at a Christian college, right? Most guys walk up to her and say, I think I need to marry you. There was a process. There's a first step. The first step was positioning myself in the mailroom so that she would lay eyes on me when she was checking her mailbox, and I would lay eyes on her, and we started conversation that way. And then I met her, and I heard her talk, and she was from Oklahoma, and I was like, I love your accent. I think I'm supposed to marry you, right? I was thinking that. I didn't say that on the first date, though. There was a process. We, we, we dated. We got to know each other. We got engaged. We broke it off, right, because I wasn't ready. We got engaged again. That's a whole other story. And here we are. There's a right way to do it. Baptism is the right way for you to do it. You want to move forward. Yeah, I want to live for, for Christ. I want to do all he's called me to do. Obedience is everything. Baptism is foundational to your life. It's foundational. In fact, in, in the Bible, before Jesus does anything else, he gets baptized. He only lived 33 years on this earth. Uh, we don't know a lot about him until he turned 30. We, we know he, where he was born. We know his parents, earthly parents were Mary. We know his earthly father was Joseph. Uh, we know where they had. We know where they lived. We know one, at one time they went to the temple when Jesus was 12 uh, for the Passover, and they left them there, and they went a couple days away from Jesus, and they realized Jesus is not with us. They lost God. <laughs> they had to go back. Could you imagine that? We, I hope God's not watching. We lost his son, right? We have to go back. And get him. We know those things, right? We know, we, but we don't know much else. We don't know if Jesus walked on, on, in water in his bathtub. We don't, we don't know how good at, at carpentry Jesus was. Jesus turns 30. Even in that, there's a lot of unknowns. Because the Bible never tells us what happened to Joseph. Most people think that at, before he turned 30 that his earthly father died. And so Jesus, is, when he turns 30, though, he, he begins three years of earthly ministry. But the very first thing he did is he went and got baptized. The very first thing. He, he gets to the, the, the Jordan River. He stands with his cousin, John the Baptist, and he gets baptized. Jesus did that, and he was showing us what it looks like. You can't go into all that God has called you to do without first stepping into obedience through baptism. And so it's foundational. Num number three, lastly, you need to understand this, that it's not, it's not really about ceremony. It's not about, you, you, you can do a lot of ceremony. It's more about identity. We, we don't get that because we live in our culture that we live in. Weddings are kind of a big deal now. And people, people ask me if I enjoy to do weddings. I say, sometimes, but a lot of times, man, they're, they're, they're pressure-filled. Like, you got cameras. I got, I got microphones all over me. I got cameras back here. I'm basically wearing a GoPro on my head so I can capture every tear coming from the girl. Like, it's, it's pressure-filled. And what I found is, is, is a lot of it is cer ceremonial, right? We have the biggest wedding, all that stuff. But what's interesting is all this money is spent on weddings, yet people have worse marriages than they've ever had before. Because it's, it's, it's more about ceremony than it is identity. It's not, it's not really about dying to your, your single self in that moment and living for that person. It's more typically about this is my day, hashtag me, my pictures, my thing. And, and I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Uh, I'm just saying it's, there's, 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 there's some shallowness to it today. Right? And this happens in, in, in baptism. You, you, you bring the baby in, all the family comes in, they sprinkle the baby they're baptizing this, this baby into, into salvation, whatever they do. They get home, they have a party, they put the baby down somewhere. We have a party without the baby. Right? Like, that's just this is what we do. It's ceremonial. We, did, we got baptized. We did, we did this. We went through confirmation class, or whatever that's called. I'm 12, I did this. What does it mean? I don't know. They told me to believe this, though. And here's the thing. Because we live in America, a lot of what we do in church has become this way. For, for years, before this year, really... Um, I used to be infatuated with, with the Christians around the world and be 
be really disappointed in myself and the Christians in America. Here, here's why. Uh, in China, for years, it's been really difficult to be a Christian. It still is. It's a communist nation. Uh, a lot of what they do is outside. They don't have buildings like this where they get, they get to come together, technology, lights, you know, Bibles for everyone. It's dangerous. And the church in China for years has, has thrived. They've done studies about the church in America. It's declined, declined, declined. Church in China has thrived. Middle East, same way. I saw a video one time of, uh, of a pastor's convention where they brought these Bibles to these pastors. Everybody got a hard copy. It was a few years ago, right? And they handed these hard, these hard copies uh, of the Bible to these pastors at this convention. Each one of them got their own. And they started bawling, crying. Bawling, like it was like, like, like they just won the lottery. Bawling, crying. And I got, I got an NLT, NIV, King James Version, New King James Version, Message Bible. I got the Bible app on my iPad, on my iPhone, on my computer. I got all this stuff, and here they're crying. And I, and, I, and I watched the whole video, and the reason they cried is because the church in that area, it's so difficult to be a Christian that there typically is only one Bible, and you all gather around in secret, and they teach you the Word of God, and they're so thankful for it. And now they've distributed it to many people, and now they're able to take the Word of God into many avenues. And so these pastors are, are so thankful. And in America, it's like, the Bible, that's been on the back of my toilet for, for 20 years. And they got the Gideon's Bible in the thing, and they... And I got all these Bibles, and I just always thought to myself, you know, man, it's, it's really difficult. And here's what's interesting. When those people, when they get saved in those countries, and they get baptized, it costs them something. They lose, they lose family. They lose friends. They lose job opportunities. They, they lose freedom. They, they lose life. And I used to think to myself, man, in our culture, this, this moment is so watered down because it's like, eh, I got baptized. Which, by, by the way, is why we stop hashtagging and, and giving, making a picture place for people to take a picture. Because we realized this ceremony was being stolen. It wasn't about Christ. It actually became about the person. Here I am. Hashtag, I'm awesome. New person. Hey. Right? Well, let's stop that crap. Because it's not about us. It's about a new identity in Christ. That's why when Jesus did it, he went, not only did he get baptized as the first step in his life before his earthly ministry, he went to a public place, the Jordan River. And it became more than just a ceremony, it was this identity. You'll notice something really interesting in the story of Jesus, because uh, he's the son of God. Uh, but he's going to go through some stuff. There's going to be days in his life uh, where his best friends on this earth betray him. His best friends. Like, you think your life is bad, Jesus has been there, done that, and overcome it. And there's been moments, in, there can be moments in his life where I think because he's fully human, he's going to look towards his heavenly father, and he's going to wonder just like you and me have, have you forgotten me? In fact, he says that on his last night. He says, Father, why have you forsaken me? Father, please take this cup from me. This really interesting thing happens at his baptism. It's so neat. It's such an identity moment. He gets baptized. The Bible says uh, that a dove ascends from heaven, the Holy Spirit, on his life, right? Uh, but then the word, the mouth of God, audibly, you can hear from heaven. And it says this, this is my son who I'm well pleased. And it's so interesting to me because he hasn't done anything yet. He hasn't walked on water. He hasn't fed 5,000 people. He hasn't healed the blind. He hasn't brought people back from the dead. He hasn't died on the cross yet. He's done nothing. And what God is doing is saying, I don't love you based on what you're going to do. I love you because you're mine. It's a powerful moment in his life. It's identity. 
And there's this moment in, in our lives when we get baptized where it becomes a brand new identity. Man, I, I identified with, with sin. I identified with pain. I identified with that parent that hurt me. I identified as an addict. I identified as a divorced person. I, I identified as an outcast. I identified in this. But in Christ, I get to identify with my heavenly father. As a son and daughter, adopted into the family of God. You know what that word adopted means? Not foster. Foster means that you get given to somebody and they get paid to take care of you. Adoption means that somebody takes you in under their own decision and they take on you as a burden in their life. They feed you. Adoption's different. Adoption says you're going to be mine forever and I'm going to be yours forever. And there's this identity that happens in baptism. And then it's so cool because I'm going to say, why do you do what you do then? Why do you do it how you do it? Right? Because we, we're going to put you in water in a second here. We're going to take you down under the water. We're going to bring you up. It's, we're not going to sprinkle you. And the reason we do that is because two things happen. The Bible talks about your, 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 your life of sin, your body of sin. Some of you are like, I got a, I got a lot of that. <laughs> it's like a resume. Right? And when you, when you baptize, that word baptizo is a Greek word. First part of it means to immerse. It's a picture of what Jesus did on that cross for us. They took his lifeless body off of that cross and they placed him in a tomb and they sealed the tomb with a stone and a Roman seal and they guarded it with the baddest, most trained soldiers in the world, a.k.a. not only were they going to kill him, but they were going to make sure he would stay dead. What a, what a great reminder that no matter how bad it's been in your life, that if sin and, and death and hell and Rome and, 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 the, and, and the stone and the seal and everything else that was stacked up against Jesus couldn't keep him down. That if your heart's still beating, God can still do something with your life. And when, you, when you go down, you're going, you're going down because of your body of sin. You're, you're, going, you're, you're dying with Christ. So when we baptize some of you, what is going to hold you down? Just a little longer, right? <laughs> Just hold you down and shake you a little bit longer. But the other part of bat baptizo, uh, it means to, to explode. So you, you immerse, and then we're going to bring you out. And when you, when you, when you come out, you're going to explode out of that water. We're not, we're not just going to take you down softly. Ian, I don't know if you've seen Ian yet, uh, but he's going to slam you down, right? And we're going to bring you back up, and when you come back up, you're becoming a brand new person. The Bible says the old is gone, a new day has come. Your body of sin has been done away of, and now you are fully alive. The picture of that word baptizo, that, that word we're talking about, is the same word that they use when they, when they put a shirt and dye in water, right? And, and, and maybe you made a tie-dye shirt, or maybe you just dyed a shirt fully one color. You put it in, and you immerse it, and when you explode out of the water and the shirt has been dyed, guess what? It's changed forever. It's changed forever. This is what's happening in baptism. Man, it's not... It's not this weird thing that we do. It's identity in Christ. So I'm crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live, but he lives in me. I'm a child of grace. Some of you, you understand it. Where sin increased in your life, grace increased all the more. Where you tried to run from God, he ran even harder after you. So we're going to pray. We're going to thank God for all that he's going to do. I love these days. There's nothing like it. Especially in 2020, it's all the sweeter because it felt a couple times like, this is it. We're never coming back to church again. But we're back, and this time we want everyone. This time we want to see God do even more. And here's the, here's the thing. 
When it stopped in March, we used to tell our church, we have 52 Super Bowl Sundays a year. So we, we are going to be uh, passionate and aggressive with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then March hit. And even though we said that, saying it 10 years in a row, eventually it's like you're saying the same thing. And March hit, Thursday came, church was canceled. I walked into a few buildings over the last months that have been sitting. And it was, I don't know if you ever uh, saw a show where the world just stopped, right? But I walked into Royersford for something and there was papers from March just kind of placed because we were ready for Sunday that we never had. And it struck me. We've been saying for years we're going to treat every Sunday like it's our last until it became your last. So I promise God, when we get back to church, we're going to be more aggressive. We're going to be more passionate. We're going to be more hungry. We're going to run even harder than we've ever ran before because it could be the last. So for some of you, I'm not trying to paint a, a a desperate, scary picture. But I mean, this might be the day. Some of you haven't yet received Christ as your Lord and Savior. Why not today? Why not now? Why not invite him to be everything in your life? Why not get baptized? Some of you aren't yet signed up to get baptized. Guess what? I had to bring as many shirts as we could possibly bring. In fact, I got an extra large. I'm not trying to judge you. <laughs> but somebody, this has your name on it. Specifically. The, the, Lord, the Lord is speaking to you right now. And specifically... You're an extra large, you're a large, you're double X, whatever. It's church. We don't judge anybody. But this is your shirt. I'll have it right up here for you. We have more shirts on the way out as we go. And we're just going to celebrate with what the Lord is doing. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this day. Father, I thank you for this moment in time that we are never going to get back again. God, thank you for church. Lord, that you have been faithful to continue to build your church. And the Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail. Lord, we're grateful for the stories of the people that are represented in this room. There's so many people here today that are getting baptized uh, that were convinced and told that their life was worthless, that they were hopeless, and that they were lost. And Jesus, you stepped into their mess. And Lord, their mess is becoming a message for you. Lord, you're saving them and you're setting them free. And Lord, we're grateful for that. We're grateful for all that we have to celebrate. Lord, I'm thankful for those right now that are beginning to go, man, I haven't yet been baptized, but I've been trying to follow you and realizing this is my next step and they haven't even signed up. But courage, a holy courage is welling up inside of them. And they are clearly hearing your voice, maybe in a way they've never heard it before. Today's your day. Today's your day. Everything in your life is built on obedience. I'm going to listen to the Lord. I'm going to listen to the Lord. I'm going to follow Him. And as you're sitting there in this moment and praying, uh, maybe somebody's here today, uh, and you don't yet know Christ, but you need to. You need to. From the moment that we started to sing, something's been happening in your life. Somebody in this room, you've been living a long time. Maybe you've heard this message many times before, but something different happened here. Or maybe you've never been to church before. And you came here today because somebody invited you. You didn't know what to expect. But it's like, it's like you were being spoken to right now. And you know something needs to change about your life. I want you to understand the gospel really quick. The Bible says everyone has sinned and falls short of the glory of the Lord. Everyone. The Bible says the wages of sin is death and hell. Here's what that means. There's not good and bad people. I don't care what your Facebook page says over the next month. There's only bad people. There's only broken people. There's only lost people. The wages of sin is death and hell. But it says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the answer to life. The gift of God. He hands you his son. You have to receive it though. 
is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Then he says, for anyone, I love that word. I don't care where you've been, what you've done. I don't care how bad your life looks right now. I don't care what you struggle with, both publicly and secretly. For anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. What do you do? You confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart. And in that moment you're saved. What are you saved from? You're saved from your sin. You're saved from your past. You're saved from your anger. You're saved from your bitterness. The Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. There's freedom. And there is freedom for somebody here right now. There's freedom. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to ask you to do one, one thing of courage right here. Because it takes courage to follow Christ from this day forward. But if that's you and I've been preaching and you've been hearing it and the Lord's been dealing with you and you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life, we're going to pray one more time. And if you need to respond, the universal, the universal way to tell somebody you need them, you know this from, from a young age, as a toddler, is just to reach your hands towards your, your father, your mother. Before you can even talk, some of you are like, I don't even understand it all. That's fine. You can't talk the right talk, but you know where you're at and you need Christ. Before your kids can even talk, they know to put their hands towards their father, their mother, and your parent, your loving parent, you know, I'm going to pick you up. So that's what we're going to do right here. The Bible says God is our heavenly father. He's, he's pushed the gift of salvation through his son, Jesus Christ, to you, and you need to receive it. You need to receive it in this moment. And when you, when you do this, when you lift your hand towards heaven, we're just going to pray together. We're going to pray together. Nothing long, long, nothing drawn out, nothing super religious, nothing with big words. Jesus, come into my life. Here I am. That's it. That's it. If that's you all over this place, all the way out to the lobby, side to side, young, old, church for years, first day at church, but you know the Lord is dealing with you right now. You need to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I would love to pray with you today. If that's you, would you just shoot your hand straight towards heaven for me so that I know that I'm praying with you as we close. Come on, I see a hand right there, all the way in the back. Yeah, hand, hand, yeah, hand, hand, yeah, hand. Come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, all, all the way to the back. Is there anybody else? Hey, Pastor, that asked me I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I see another hand right here. Come on. Yep, yep, hand, hand, buddy, yeah, yeah. Hey, church, let's play one more time. Lord, we thank you. Father, that step right there is an admission. Jesus, I need you. Lord, you know us better than we know ourselves. We don't need a long, drawn-out prayer. We just need to posture ourselves. The Bible says if we humble ourselves in the sight of a holy God, that you would lift us up. And so, Lord, here we are. We can't do life on our own anymore. We need a Savior. We need a rescuer. We need a redeemer. And, Jesus, we believe that's who you are. So, Lord, we give you everything that we are, our past, our present, and our future. Jesus, you can have everything in our lives. We want to follow you from this day forward. Jesus, we love you. And we thank you for what you've done and what you're going to continue to do in their lives and through this church. Jesus, in your name we pray. Hey, one more time, church. Let's shout amen as loud as we can. Let's clap together one more time. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.